0: Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the Rider Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle.
1: Hello and welcome to a special round two edition of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, and And things are moving quickly. Hardly a day in between games here of the NBL season already. We're seeing some some interesting results, some exciting action, some double overtime games, some games decided on the buzzer and now all of a sudden we're just days away from every team getting involved. So we've got the New Zealand Breakers about to get their season underway. The Perth Wildcats are about to do the same this weekend. Plenty to talk about here on this week's Hoops Heavens Basketball Hustle. I'm Chris Pike, your co-host, but the scoring machine, the, the four-time NBL championship winning legend, the Perth Wildcats superstar, Sean Redditch. Special day for you, which we will touch on during this show. Thanks for joining me.
0: Um, thanks for having me, Pikey. It's good to see some basketball back in action, and uh, we had some exciting games over the week, so I'm excited to uh, review them and, and uh, get into uh, this week's games as well.
1: Absolutely. Plenty to talk about. Um, across those, those games on the weekend in round one, there was some, some thrilling action, some standout performers, and we'll get to all of that as we get through this show because we'll be deciding our first-ever player of the week here on Basketball Hustle. We'll be casting our votes in our player of the year voting as well. And, of course, later in the show, our Tab Touch preview. And you, Sean, and Damian Martin will be joining us. You'll be announcing the charities that you're going to be raising money for with with the help of Tab Touch during this season, you'll be you'll be offering some betting tips for our listeners and you'll be putting your your reputations on the line up against each other in this competition which will be running through the season to raise money for your charities and also we'll give all of our, our tips and thoughts on on the round ahead once we get Damien Martin on the line later on. But first of all, Sean, um, there's a lot that happened in round one. What what stood out to you? What's the one takeaway that you took from from the opening round of the NBL season?
0: Well, look, I think the team of the round was definitely the Hawks, uh, just the way they played. And, uh, you know, Brian Gorgin, we said it in the preview, you, you can't knock a guy with the record that he has, even though he's coming into a club that's uh, had a couple down years. He uh, He's done a, a masterful job already in the preseason, and it's showing. And, you know, I think they've got the recruiting right, and they they played extremely well in that that first round.
1: Yeah, you're right. Let's that, touch on them a bit further because you've played under Brian Gorge at the Olympics and he's had a big impact on your life because if he wasn't the coach, who knows you might not have ever been able to call yourself an Olympian. Um, and I, I'm fascinated to get Brian on the show at some point this season, just for you to catch up with him and to have a, have a chat to him about, about your history and, and what's happening obviously right now at the Hawks. Um, what makes Gorge such a special coach? Because you have a look at this Hawks team and, um, Talent wise, they might not still, you know, have the talent level of some of the other clubs, but gee, they're playing with heart. They're they're well coached. They're well drilled, and everyone knows their role on that team.
0: Yeah, I think probably from the outside, I guess when I kind of came up against Brian Gorgon and teams and just talking to some of the players, that it was you know he was just this this taskmaster that you know worked his guys extremely hard, and when they played they were extremely fit and and I think that was the case but then just playing him uh on the Olympic team um and getting to know him a little bit better he he really does a good job of developing relationships with players um and so you know he does work you work extremely hard and he knows you know he's probably going to have one of the fittest if not the fittest team in the league um but he also demands that you you, you play defense And uh, you know, and he's uh, keen for the detail, but I think he's got that relationship as well. And and, you know, you can see that uh, he's obviously starting to work his magic there at the Hawks, and just getting the guys to to believe. And they they played very confident on the road to get two big wins.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The first one against the Bullets was was impressive enough, but that Brisbane team, I think, we'll see a lot of improvement from once they get Matt Hodgson and once Orlando Johnson. Johnson as well, is um, not, not injured. Hopefully he's not too badly hurt. But the win over over the Taipans up in Cairns was was, was massive for them. Uh, very quickly, the results from from ra- round one, and we will go into these a little bit more in, in more detail shortly in our second segment. But first up, Friday night in Adelaide, Melbourne United just blew, them, blew the Adelaide 36ers away in the second half. And, and it was remarkable because the 36ers were actually leading um, early in the third quarter, but Melbourne went on to win 89 to 65. Then on Saturday, as we touched on in Brisbane, the Hawks beat the Brisbane Bullets 90 to 84. Up in Cairns, also on Saturday, a thriller: the Cairns Taipans beat the Sydney Kings 87 to 86. And then on Sunday, double overtime between the Adelaide 36ers and the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, and it was Josh Giddy who led the 36ers to the 116 to 108 win. And then Monday night. The, the Cairns sidebands couldn't back it up. It was the Hawks too good up in Cairns, 92 to 76. And as we re, as we record this on Thursday, Sean, because we will be releasing Hoops Heavens Basketball Hustle each Thursday this season, and you'll also be able to hear us live on Sport FM every Thursday night as well as a result. Round two has got underway as well on Wednesday night, and it was the South East Melbourne Phoenix, 89 to 83 over the Adelaide 36ers. Now we'll touch on each game in a little bit more detail individually, but gee, there was some some standout performances and the Taipans Kings game on the buzzer, um, controversial finish. Adam Ford in his first game as a head coach was happy to come out afterwards and, and say that he thought the referees got the call wrong when Casper Weir wasn't called for a shooting foul at the end there, which could have won the game for the Kings. Um you have a look at Josh Giddy's performance on on Sunday in, in the extra overtime. There was there was a lot to to take away from from those games
0: yeah there was i think that uh, you know most games were were pretty competitive pretty close i guess what you would have expected um i don't think you know i think a lot of people thought canterpans would go 2 and 0 oh, and and very well almost went 0 oh and 2 yeah um in that sydney kings game i thought the the kings played well enough to get the win, and uh, it, interesting to me, it's kind of that Casper Ware has kind of continued that form that we saw kind of more in the finals last year, so yeah. I'll be I'll be interested to see if they can get, get him going and just get him back to that level of play that, that we've been accustomed to from him over, over the couple of years, but it just seems like he, he's lost a little bit of confidence in his shot, mm-hmm. um, backing up. Into, uh, in, but it's all, only one game, so uh, you know you know he's going to keep shooting. But he's got to really fire for that team, I think, to uh, to give him a great shot this season.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, and it's now a, it's unfortunately for him an ongoing trend, isn't it, dating back to to last season. So he, he started the game pretty well on 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 Saturday when he was go he actually taking the ball and getting some mid range shots. But once he started to settle for the three again, it was it was similar to last season. He ended up going one of nine from. Three point land, and it probably wasn't the ideal shot for him to take at the end. For him to be taking a contested three point ball, given the way he was he was shooting throughout the throughout the night.
0: Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, you kind of, as a coach, you want to back your superstar. Mm-hmm. And Casper uh, Ware has hit some big shots in the past, so it's not uh, not a case that he's not capable of. But sometimes you got to throw in the scenario where they haven't uh, had the greatest game, and maybe you use him as a as a decoy. Um, You know, I I like Vasilovich in that scenario as well. I just think he's, even though he's a rookie, the calmness he has, and and he loves those big moments. So we'll be interested to see if they kind of use him maybe in some of those scenarios as well down the stretch.
1: Yeah. Before we get to our discussion about the play of the week, I wanted to touch on the rookies. So. A lot of the talk around the rookies coming into the season were surrounding the next stars Josh Giddy and Mahave King up up at up at Cairns and even just Justini and Jess about the Hawks. Um last week on on the show here at Hoop Heavens Basketball Hustle, both yourself and Damian Martin um pointed out DJ Vasilovic as your choice for rookie of the year and I, I hadn't seen his name really pop up too many other places apart from, from you two but... Um, if it wasn't for Josh, Kitty, Josh Giddy's performance on Sunday, we'd be everyone would be talking about DJ right now because his game on Saturday night for the Kings was was outstanding for for a rookie.
0: Yeah, I, I think he, he, probably Damo and I had some insider um, knowledge of him, just knowing that he came and trained with the Wildcats mm-hmm. a few years ago, and you could tell even before he went to college, he was an outstanding player. And, uh, and he could have played NBL back then. Mm. Um, and that's it's similar, I guess, to you'd say Giddy at the moment. Giddy um, can actually be a star in the NBL, and we, we saw that in round one. But um, I knew, you know, there's maturity that happens over three, four years. But you just – I think, to me, these next stars, the ones that can, um, that can really shoot the basketball, have an advantage. Uh, you know, Giddy, I think, just has a unique and special ability – with this high and able to play point guard, yeah. but I think Jessup and Vasilovich are going to get a lot of minutes, a lot of looks, and so they're uh, they're going to put up some impressive numbers.
1: How did you feel coming away from Sunday's game and watching what Josh Giddey did? Um, Daniel Johnson had a had a monstrous game, but he'd fouled out once the game got to to overtime. So the 36ers needed somebody to step up, and and Josh Giddy started overtime with that breakaway dunk and fell flat on his face, and and I think. Um, a lot of players would have would have let that finish their game and obviously it meant that he didn't end up playing on Wednesday night through some post-concussion um, effects. But what did you make of his performance on on Sunday in that overtime period? Because for an 18-year-old, the youngest player in the league, he was the reason that his team won the game.
0: Well, it was a spectacular fall on that, that dunk, I must say. I haven't seen uh, too many players hit the ground with that uh, that force. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll remember that 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 dunk for a long time. But it, it, it's something. It is pretty remarkable. I haven't seen a an 18 year old be able to come into the league probably since Joe Ingles. Um, and maybe, you might even throw Newly in there a little bit as well, as far as just being able to come and have an impact. But the thing about Giddy is just composure. He, he never looks like he's out of second gear. But he's just getting to the rim with ease. He's making the right play. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the first time I've really seen him play uh, for an extended period of time. And, and I really liked what I see. And, and you know, big raps to him. Great job. And I think he's going to have a, a big impact on Adelaide. And they're going to need him to have a big impact because I'm not sure their imports are to the level that they were hoping for.
1: No, and we we saw what happens to them without him um last night against the phoenix as well where they really did did struggle so we'll get to that a little bit later now we're going to have a player of the week award each week here on hoop sevens basketball hustle and starting next week we'll be deciding we'll be letting our listeners decide that and one of our lucky listeners will be receiving a special prize and we'll announce our the sponsor of that award next week here on the show but for this week sean i'll let i'll let you have the honors of of picking the play of the week from round one and it's not an easy decision, so I'll run through the candidates and and, le- and let you let me know your thoughts. So first up, Daniel Johnson had a massive double for the 36ers. So first up, he had 29.6 rebounds on Friday night and went 4 of 4 from three-point land, and then he backed it up on Sunday, 33 points, 4 rebounds, shot 11 of 14 from the field, 10 of 11 from the free throw line. Um, Chris Golding from Melbourne United, he had 16 points, 4 rebounds, 3 steals, 3 assists and hit five three-pointers. His teammate, Joe Lowell Achill was very impressive, 16 points and 12 rebounds. Sam Froeling had two good games for the Hawks, 19 points and four rebounds, first up against Brisbane, and then backed it up with 11 points and seven rebounds against the Taipans. But he had a couple of really impressive teammates. Tyler Harvey, 16 points, three rebounds in the first game, and then 25 points and seven Rebounds In the second, Justin Simon, um, two outstanding all-round games um, for the Hawks. First up, 13 points, eight rebounds, five assists, and five steals, including going two or two from three-point land. And then he backed it up with 10 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, and three steals. The Taipan's imports both had pretty solid games. Cam Cam Oliver, he started with 12 points, 11 rebounds, six blocks. Then backed it up with 16 points and 13 rebounds. His teammate Scott Machado started with 17 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. Or I think it was 8 assists and 7 rebounds, sorry. And then 11 points, 11, re, 11 assists, 4 rebounds, and 3, three steals. Mitch Creek, um, his game on Sunday was outstanding despite the loss 30 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists. And his teammate Yanni Wetzel. On debut, twenty-four points, eleven rebounds, um, some impressive performances there, Sean. Before I get you to pick, did I miss anybody? Did anyone else stand out that I might not have not not have mentioned?
0: No, I think those were the uh, the candidates there. There was some. It, it's a tough one. There's not one that I look. Probably you kind of look at Daniel Johnson's stats and you say that was extremely impressive. And uh, in, in, in normal weeks, I would probably give it to him, but. I'm going to go with Justin Simon, mm-hmm. and he may not have put the most points, but just his all-around game. And, you know, he, he makes me love watching him play defense, kind of like the way uh, Damian Martin does. Yeah. And uh, I haven't seen too many imports be able to have a, an impact on the game. And I love the just the charisma and the energy he, mm-hmm. he displays when he makes those plays, and he lets everyone know yeah. about it. But, uh, you know, the play of the round was that, um, that block he had on Mejok Dang where he up faked him, sidestepped him, Simon jumped, and then was able to recover again and block his shot after yeah. leaving on the first pump fake. So it was a, you know, and that was a, a crucial part in the game. They went He went down and got yeah, a he uh, score. Yeah, absolutely. He scored on the other end. So, you know, it was a four-point play. But I just think I haven't seen an import play defense and have an impact like that probably since maybe Darnell Me, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you could probably go back to uh, D Mac. I didn't see a whole lot of him early on in his career, but it, I mean he was still stealing the ball off of me when he mm-hmm. was forty. So um, it was uh, you know they're, they're impressive, and uh, you know I'm excited to see see him throughout the year. And I think he might be a Damian Martin favorite. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a great. I think it's a great call after. After Saturday night, I thought Cam Oliver with his six blocks might have been um, the standout for that Defensive Player of the Year award. But I think Justin Simon, after the first weekend, is probably leading that category to take out the first ever... What do we call it? The Demo? Do we call it the Demo?
0: What, the uh, the Defensive Player yeah. of the Year award? Yeah, I like it. Let's just call it the Demo.
1: <laughs> okay, so Justin Simon, our first player player of the week here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle for the 2021 NBL season. Now, we're going to have a... Player of the Year Award that we'll, we'll follow and announce throughout the season as well, Sean. So that means we'll be casting our votes each week of the season. We'll be, we'll be doing a 5-4-3-2-1 system at the end of each round. Um, given You've given Justin Simon the Player of the Week Award. Does that mean he naturally takes out the five votes?
0: Yeah, he, get, he gets five votes. Daniel Johnson gets four votes. Tyler Harvey gets three votes. Uh, Mitch Creek, two, and Machado, one.
1: Tough to argue. I'm happy with that, Sean. So, so we'll follow follow that through throughout the season, and we'll have a have a special prize to announce as well as as we go along here on here on the show. So make sure you stay stay tuned tuned for that. And and Sean, that's gonna be it's gonna be on your hands. So basically, basically, we're going to be announcing your MVP of the season, which is which is going to be something that that hopefully somebody's pretty happy to win by the end of the season.
0: Well, I'm excited about that, and uh, you know, I always. With, uh, with Player of the Weeks, with, with uh, MVPs, I always tend to go towards teams that won. I just think if you can make game-winning plays, game-winning performances, it goes a long way. And, and that's probably a big reason why Simon's uh, the Player of the Week for me this week.
1: Absolutely. Okay, that's our first segment done here on, on our show for this week, Sean. When we come back, we'll go through those games in Round 1 in a, in a little bit more detail. And, and, of course, later on, we'll have our Tab, tab Touch preview where we'll be joined by Damian Martin. Okay, Sean, back on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustling, and around one of the season got underway at the Adelaide Entertainment Centre back on Friday night. Um, 75% capacity was allowed inside the building and they pretty much filled that to capacity. Um, So there was, I think, more than 6,500 people there in the building. So a good crowd and especially in this current environment, to get that many people into a building is a good result. Fascinating game in the end. Adelaide led at half-time. Daniel Johnson hit a couple more threes to start the third quarter. But from there... Melbourne United blew them away. Adelaide looked very disappointing, but good performance from Mel- from Melbourne. A lot of guys stepping up. We talked about Golding and Louella Chill before, but Shea Jock Landale, Yuday Barber, they all had good games and and probably we saw from Melbourne what we expected to see, but probably more disappointing in the second half from Adelaide than what we might have might have expected.
0: Yeah, after having a, a a great first half and you know, to start the Conor Henry era there. at the Adelaide Entertainment Center in front of so many fans where you're, you know, not not a lot of places in the world are able to have uh, full stadiums Mm -hmm. like that. So a a disappointing start to the season for Adelaide. And I think that, you know, probably just the imports there were were a bit of a letdown. And, uh, you know, as outstanding form Daniel Johnson is in, he's going to need a lot more help. And, um, you know, we saw some glimpses from Giddy, but, you know, Melbourne United, a lot of people are picking them to be the title favorites and you know they didn't play great but they played well enough in the second half you can tell they've just got that that second gear where when they switch on defensively um and they've got a lot of weapons and, you know they don't need guys like Golding to score 30 where Adelaide Adelaide kind of need yeah. DJ to have big games Golding can you know he's going to have the occasion real big games but if they get four or five guys in between ten to sixteen points, they're going to be a tough team to beat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, then on Saturday we had a doubleheader. First up, it was in Brisbane and the Hawks beat the Bullets ninety to eighty four. We, we've touched on how good the imports were from the Hawks, but you know Sam Froling stepped up as well. Um, there was a lot to like. Um, tough game for the Hawks, especially especially with their front court decimated once Matt Hodgson didn't play and Orlando Johnson went down went down early. Nathan Sobe still played well, nineteen points. I thought Vic Law looked pretty good on on debut. Seventeen points, nine rebounds. I think Drummick and Froeling showed that they'll be handy pickups. Um, what did you come away from from that game feeling?
0: Yeah, I felt like Brisbane started the game well. They had a, a decent lead there in the first quarter, and you kind of the Hawks felt like they were kind of figuring out how they were going to play. And um, you know, they didn't get great games from uh, Jessup. Mm. You, you know, he was pretty quiet that one. Harvey was okay, but you know, they just found a way to to come together, and it it feels like the bullets are still kind of figuring out who's going to be their go to player. Obviously, imports going down, injured. You know, I like Law. I think he's going to be a solid pickup. He didn't. I don't think he's going to set the league on fire, but uh, you know, and Sobey played well in stretches. I think they're just going to. Uh, they they feel like they're going to be a team that needs a few weeks to kind of figure out everyone's kind of roles.
1: Yeah, I think I think so too, and and they'll be hoping that Hodgson gets back pretty soon, and, and that Johnson's not too not too badly badly hurt hurt either. Now the second game on Saturday, Cairns Taipans ended up beating the Kings eighty seven to eighty six. It felt like a game that was always going to be decided pretty much on the last play, and it was as we touched on before, Casper Ware was fouled by Machado with a couple of seconds to go. They went to the video review, and it was decided it was a non shooting foul. A little bit controversial, and in, in the end, they came out of that, and Casper took a took a pretty deep three, and it didn't fall, and the Taipans one. Aside from from Casper, like we touched on earlier, um, what, did, what did you what did you think of this one?
0: Well, look, I thought Sydney played a pretty good game, yep. and I thought they probably deserved to win that. I probably, I think they would have given certainly in the NBA, they probably would have given Casper those those free throws. Yep. Um, you know, they, it was very close and uh, oh, a tough call to make in that, that scenario, but I think, um, you know, he probably should have got those those free throws, but, you know, credit to Cairns. They found a way to win um, at home, which we, we expected, but, um, you know, I think Cairns doesn't look great early, mm. and uh, you know, they caught a lot of teams by surprise last year with uh, with how well they started the season, so It'll, um, you know, can they make those adjustments? Um, you know, they very easily could have been 0-2 after this week.
1: I was a little concerned watching from a Taipan's point of view thinking that last year they had such a chip on their shoulder. They all had a had a point to prove and and, and they've had a, had a remarkable season. Um, now this season they've been there and done it. Everyone's come back and they kind of... You have to be really careful in this situation where you don't expect to just be able to continue on where you you left off, all of a sudden you now become a marked team, and everyone's everyone's got a target, everyone's chasing you. So they need to probably go up another level. Whereas they just looked like at times they were just expecting it to happen on 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 Saturday night and, and again on, on Monday, which you'll touch on. Is that a is that a concern? Because now it's a totally different mindset going from just going from having that chip on your shoulder to to now suddenly everyone having a t- having their target and setting themselves for you
0: yeah i mean it is always a uh you know when you have success the previous year you can kind of get into a little bit of a false sense of uh i guess complacency, but i think they um i i think they might be missing their other import as well. i think that uh you know i think that he he really brought a lot of things to them last year, and so uh, you know you they forget.
1: not only was d j the defensive player of the year but he was also the leading scorer, so he scored more than. Both Oliver and, and Machado
0: did last season. Yeah, and he just gave, uh, you know, Oliver was great in patches. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think he, he was outstanding. But he didn't, he didn't always have, uh, he wasn't consistently great. And, uh, yeah, they're just missing a little bit of defensive presence and, and be able to create their own shot. You know, Jarek is more of a catch-and-shoot, more of a catch-and-shoot rebounder. So someone else that can kind of go create other than Machado. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So we'll get to their game on Monday shortly as well. Before that, a double overtime on on Sunday in Adelaide. Another good crowd there, 6600 people, and Daniel Johnson had 33 points up until just before the end of the fourth quarter and when he fouled out. I think I think a lot of people thought that the Phoenix might be able to snatch it, but you know, as we talked about, Josh Giddy put the 36s on his back and it took two overtime periods, but they ended up just getting over the line 116 to 108. Important for Adelaide to bounce back from Friday to win the game, but I think Southeast Melbourne had every reason to think that they probably probably let let one slip.
0: Yeah, I think they'll, uh, I mean, from their point of view, you, you hope you, you don't look back at the end of the season and think, oh, if we could have got that opening game, you know, might help us get into the finals or, or change the scenario. But, you know, impressive performances from He was outstanding. He's, uh, you know, mid-season form. and you know, as long as they can keep him healthy, he's going to be a tough cover all season. Yanni Wetzel. I mean, he came out of nowhere. That's a, uh, yeah, encouraging sign for them to, uh, get someone to, uh, fill Pino's shoes. And, um, you know, that's going to be a pretty big combination when, when Pino comes back healthy. So, um, give them, be able to give them a different look and not always have to play Creek at the four, yeah. which sometimes he can be under saws, which gives them an advantage in some scenarios. But, uh, rebounding as well on the defensive end can can hurt you with a with a smaller four like that. And, you know, Giddy was just he was just outstanding in that in that overtime period and just kind of the coming out party for him and, and welcoming him onto uh the world stage and I'm sure There'll be quite a few NBA scouts uh, if they can get a flight um, over here checking out Giddy um, to see uh, where he's going to land in the draft next year. potentially.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You make a good point about the rebounding too. The offensive rebounds, especially from Isaac Humphries, was massive in the end as well for Adelaide. Um, Monday night to close out the round and a, a brilliant performance. That's not undersell it from the Hawks to go up to Cairns. They've been away from home since Boxing Day. And to still go out, go and do this performance was was fantastic. Not only did they beat the cans in beat cans in cans, um, but they they did it emphatically ninety two to seventy six. Both imports Harvey and Simon were terrific again, but Justinian Jessup was brilliant. He he went twenty four points, didn't miss a three point attempt, and and there was just so much to like from from the Hawks.
0: Yeah, to me that was probably the most impressive win of the season out of any team so far. I mean, to go into uh, the cans it's such a tough win up there. And, uh, you know, to play their second game, you're right, they've been away since Boxing Day, which uh, which can definitely have a, an effect on your performance. But uh, when they get their guys shooting the ball, when, when Harvey and Jessup and then Solomon's playing defense, uh, you know, those three guys are just elite at what they do. And, and, and it just seems like everyone else is kind of buying into their role. Um, Ogilvy playing his role solid uh, you know I like Frawling it's just a uh, it's going to be an exciting team to, to watch and how they gel over the season I
1: think so too and now there was one day in between and then we got round two underway on Wednesday night and and it was the rematch from Sunday and, and this time the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix got the win that they probably felt they, they deserved they beat the 36 Sixers 89-83 to no Josh Giddy for Adelaide and and boy, did they miss him! Um, so we'll get to them in a little bit. But I, I liked what I saw from the Phoenix. Um, you know, they didn't get a massive game from Mitch Creek, who was in foul trouble. But and Yanni Wetzel didn't back up his game either, so he had a quiet one. But um, Ben Moore probably stepped up a little bit in his with, with him being quiet. But to me, it was the it was the backcourt which really stood out and and probably showed how much Adelaide missed 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 Josh Giddy because clearly the difference in the game was the performances of. Keeper Sykes, Kyle Adnam and, and even Adam Gibson with a cameo off the bench.
0: Yeah, Keeper Sykes was just, just tremendous. I mm. like what he brings. They needed a score, and, uh, you know, he could shoot, he could put the ball on the floor, and, and it, that's going to be a tough, tough matchup when you got a 1-4 on ball with Sykes and Karee. It's going to be interesting how teams play that because, uh, obviously, Adelaide didn't really figure out a great solution to it. Those two guys... Uh, were, uh, were outstanding on, on Wednesday night. So I think, uh, you know, encouraging someone. Southeast Melbourne didn't want to go down 0-2. Um, for them to split, they're probably upset they didn't get two wins. Would have been a great start to them. But they, uh, you know, they put themselves in a, in a position to contend before they get some, some home games later on in the season. So, you know, right now those teams that are on the road, they just kind of want to stay around 500. So uh, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix is, is doing what they need to do.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see them in action in Perth now. Now on Sunday, um, to me, the six-point margin flatters Adelaide. I thought they never really looked in the game, pretty much the the whole the whole way, apart from when probably Daniel Johnson had a little bit of a a purple patch in to start the second half. Um, up front, I think Humphreys and DJ were were good, but you know, outside of that, um, they didn't get a lot. And I think you know Keanu Pinder is going to struggle to give them the the third big that they need and and their backcourt looks pretty shaky now with Donald Sloan not looking like anything like the player that we expected him to be.
0: No, I mean for an NBA point guard with uh, a lot of good rap coming about him, he's uh, he's struggled in that first first three ball games. It just hasn't looked like he's been able to beat his defender consistently. Mm. Um, you know, you and I talked about it before before the game. How many times he slipped over and yep. just. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was two weeks in quarantine Mm. and, uh, you know, he's still trying to come back, uh, from that long trip over from America, but they're going to need him to, uh, to really step up. They need, they need two really good imports and possibly one elite import to kind of put them in top four finals contention. So it'll be interesting to see how long they stick with that. If, uh, if their games don't improve.
1: It's a great point. I mean, in this current environment, is it actually possible to make a change on an import? I mean, to get a new player out here, they'd have to go through all sorts of quarantine and and restrictions. I mean, I, I, is it, is this almost a season where you just have to stick with with what you've signed from the start of the season and, and hope for the best, or, or in this case, might it get to a point if they if Donald doesn't play well again on Friday night against the Breakers and they slip to to one and three, does that decision have to come very close to being made?
0: Well, just uh, you just have to, you know, there's never one thing that kind of goes into that decision. You can't make it off one or two games, mm-hmm. but, you know, the, the team should get a feel for what he's doing in training. You know, is it just a case of nerves or, or you know, just finding his feet in the league? Um, some guys are, are that scenario. And, you, you know, a guy, a perfect example is Kevin Lish. It took him a few games just to kind of, Fond mm-hmm. his speed and, and get his confidence, and we, we know the type of career he had. But I'm not saying that that's the same scenario. You know, Kevin Lynch was coming in as a rookie, but it's a it's a tough one. It's no, there's no. I think you just got to know: is he going to be the right fit long term for the season? Do you see your team a lot better later on in the year, or uh or do you need to at least make one of those changes? I think um, you know, probably. They might need to at least make one of those changes early on if they don't get a few more wins here.
1: Yeah, not a lot of patience historically in Adelaide for for underperforming players, so it'll be fascinating to watch. Um, So that's our wrap of the games we've seen so far, Sean. When we come back, we'll have our tap-touch preview, and we'll be joined by Damien Martin here on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. Okay, back here on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, and it's now time for our tap Touch Preview. I'm very happy to be joined by Damien Martin now as well for for this weekend. Thanks to tap Touch, our new partners here at Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, we'll we'll be raising some money for charity. So both Sean Reddick and Damien Martin have chosen their charities. Tab Touch have been happy enough to donate a, a sum of money for them to place a bet on each weekend to pick some pick out some some bets that they they see as being Worth putting their money on, so hopefully between them they can raise money for charity. Hopefully they can help you find a winner as well. So, very excited by that. So, it just seems such a natural fit. Tab Touch, a a proud West Australian company. And and we've got Damien Martin and Sean Redditch here on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle, two of the all-time great Perth Wildcats NBL legends. Ten championships between them. They are the last two championship-winning captains of the Wildcats, so... It just—it's just a perfect fit. So thanks to Tab Touch for their support. Now make sure you head to tabtouch.com.au to check out all of the odds. Not only do they have head-to-head betting on NBL games, but all of the different options and and markets related to the games as well. Any sort of line betting, any sort of margin betting, any sort of any sort of total betting, and and some individual player betting as well. So check it out at tabtouch.com.au. Thanks to Tab Touch for their support. And now, let's get stuck into the action with, with Damien Martin. Okay, I'm back here with Damien Martin here for our Tab Touch preview and, and there's no Sean Redditge joining us either on his birthday here, Damo. Talk talk without him and you can you can share some some insights that you might not <laughs> might not be willing to say if Sean if Sean is with us, Damo. Um before oh, we... I wish I'd known he I
2: wish I'd known he wasn't gonna be older dug up some <laughs> I I would have called his wife Gretchen, spoken to his kids. <laughs> uh, and then come back here with, uh, yeah, don't worry about the tips. It just would have been all about the dirt on Sean Redditch. But, uh, <laughs> there's not much. I don't think there's much out there, unfortunately.
1: I will get to it shortly because it's a big day for him right now, which I'll talk, talk about a bit later. But let's get straight into the preview. And then I've got a couple of things I want to talk to you about, Damo. So thanks to Tab Touch. Let's get straight into our, our tips for round, round two. And it got underway last night. So we're recording on Thursday. And as we talked about earlier in the show, Every Thursday afternoon, we'll now be releasing this show. Um, I'll take your word for it. Who would have you tipped between Adelaide and South East Melbourne last night?
2: Oh, to me, it was actually the toughest game of the round, mm. two picks. Um, and because, obviously, I was, just didn't know if we are going to record yesterday or today. I never had to make a decision. <laughs> I actually think I would have gone with Adelaide. Yep. Uh, you know, obviously, Mitch Creek was amazing in round one, 30 points. My question marks were around, you know, Sykes, obviously I think, had 11 assists in round one, but who was going to be the next best scorer mm. was my big question. And then last night, funnily enough, you know, Creek gets in a bit of foul trouble, think gets to play 25 minutes, still finishes with, you know, 15 points. Yeah. He's very solid out there. But, you know, Sykes, he was incredible. It was. So um, he was fun to watch. And not just, you know, with his scoring and obviously some big threes, uh, you know, in the fourth. But also facilitating craft, uh, just how crafty he was out there, but his patience. So, uh, down the stretch, he, they got the ball in his hands. They kept running pick and rolls and, and they exploited it. So, I actually you know, thought Adelaide were going to get the job done going into the game, but credit to South East, they were brilliant. They've, got, they've not stopped the win and they'll be very you know, happy with it. And Adam living at the free throw line, being aggressive, yeah, there's a lot to like about the game. Dan Johnson was brilliant uh, in a losing performance, so he's continued his form from round one.
1: Absolutely. Okay, let's get into the rest of round two now, Damo. It starts Thursday night in Brisbane, a rematch from last week. So we've got the Brisbane Bullets, thanks to Tab Touch paying one ninety two against the Hawks, who are $1.88. This is a, a tough one because there's still no Dengadel or Cambesto for the Hawks.
2: Yeah, and, you know, they are two and zip. Going in without those guys, I think, are going to be big for them. You know, Norma would have leant towards Brisbane, but the reality is, I like the way. I really like the way they played in the first round. They're going to be fit. They're going to be disciplined. They, you know, Jessup, you know, as a next gen player, he just plays with so much confidence. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to bring in quality imports, which they have, and you kind of expect that from a Gorgian coach team. But Jessup, I think, is we saw glimpses of it in game two when they played preseason out here in Perth, but then to carry it into the, you know, the regular season, I think he's a great pickup for them, and, and that'll continue. So I, I will go. With Brisbane, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm very impressed with Illawarra, even without two players. I think you're going to play big minutes.
1: Sean's gone for the Bullets as well, but I'm, I think I'm sticking with the Hawks. I'll go the Hawks Friday night. This is a this is a really tricky one. The Adelaide 36ers, who even though they got one win in double O time, they haven't been great over the first three games. They need to bounce back, but they're they're up against the New Zealand Breakers, who we haven't seen yet, and who have been away from home already for. Six or seven weeks. So we've got the Sixers paying thanks to Tap Touch two dollars. The break is one eighty two. This is a tricky one.
2: Yeah, and I'm hoping to see Giddy return. I'm not sure if he was ruled out for both games this round. Or just I the think first. they're hoping he'll play. Yeah, so I'd love to see Giddy out there. But I am excited to see you know what the new look Breakers look like. Mm-hmm. You know, the Webster brothers teaming up together. Abercrombie still playing great basketball, and then they've recruited really well in the off season. So I'm tipping the Breakers in this one, uh, and. You know, off the back of like you said, six or seven weeks already on the road, they'll just be chomping at the bit to start playing some yeah. basketball and take their mind off how much they probably prefer to be back home with you know wives, kids, uh, and family.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll go with the breakers as well. Then on Saturday, still in Cairns for the Taipans. they're hosting the Sydney Kings, and they played a cracker on back in Round One. The Taipans are paying one sixty four, thanks to Tab Touch. The Kings two dollars twenty seven.
2: Yeah, I'm going with Cairns in this one I, you know they're a very good but you got two great teams I mean we were one loss away from you know Cairns in the semi-finals last year and this would have been a replay of last year's grand yeah. final and I think both teams will be up there again so obviously you know both coming off losses I think Cairns will just be able to rely a little bit more on their import that one-two punch with Machado and Oliver. And I think some of their role players are really going to step up. We saw Jerry, you know, the amount of passion he plays with, yeah. oh, I love. I think you're going to see more of that throughout the season. So I'm going to, I'm going to back Cairns uh, in this one as well.
1: Yeah, Sean's gone with the Taipans as well, and I think I'll stick with the Taipans too. I think they'll be hungry to bounce back from dropping their first home game in a long time on Monday against yeah. the Hawks. Now, Sunday, big day for you, Damo, which I'll ask you about once we get this, get our tips done Um, the Perth Wildcats at home RSC Arena against the South East Melbourne Phoenix the Wildcats 163 on tab touch the Phoenix at $2.30 oh
2: look I just spoke up how impressed I was with South East a few (laughs) minutes ago but I'm going with with the Wildcats They are obviously you know, biased. Everyone will know that about me. But, you know, they have been, like New Zealand, they've just been getting ready for a game. You know, it's been over 300 days since they last yeah. got to shoot a ball, you know, in a game environment. So they're chomping at the bit to get out there. They'll unveil the banner and they'll just be ready to, you know, get amongst it. And it's tough because South East do have two games under their belt already. Mm-hmm. Uh, there could be a little bit of rust with the Wildcats. So that's the biggest negativity uh, going into it. But the reality is, Home court advantage, a new season, some fresh players. I'll back them to get the job done.
1: Yeah, Sean's gone the Wildcats as well, and I will too. Last game of the round, Monday night. We're still in Cairns, so the Cairns Taipans up against Melbourne United. Taipans two twelve, United coming off that big round one win in Adelaide one seventy three.
2: Yeah, I'm going with Melbourne here. Like you said, Cairns don't lose often on their home court. They obviously dropped one last round. I'm backing them You know, on Friday night, on Saturday night against the Kings. But I was really impressed with Melbourne, the depth they have, the talent they've got. And they will be going into the game fresh. So, you know, Cairns play a few nights earlier. I expect their studs to have to play big minutes because Sydney are a great team. So there could be a little bit of fatigue, at the home team hasn't travelled, so I'm going to go with Melbourne for a number of reasons, but most of which they're just playing a team that can't, will be on the back of a doubleheader.
1: I'm going with Cairns, but Sean's gone with you with Melbourne as well, so it should be a cracking game between two finalists from, from last year. Okay Damo, so that's round two done. Now, thanks to Tab Touch, you and Sean are going to be going head-to-head each week and raising money for charities as well. And and you've picked out some some bets for this first week. So Sean is going to be raising his money for Lifeline WA throughout this season. And for this round one, he's he, he's put his, his money on the Taipans to get within minus 3.5 against the Sydney Kings. <laughs> Adelaide and New Zealand between them to score more than 180.5 points. <laughs> and he's gone the Wildcats minus 3.5 against... The he, he's
2: put some research into this. <laughs> I've gone with your boring straight wins, but uh, he's actually going plus and minus. He has, good,
1: he has. So if that comes through for Sean, thanks to Tap Touch and the $50, he'll win for Lifeline WA $342.50. Now, as you said, you've, you've gone a more traditional route. You've gone for, quite simply, the Breakers to beat the 36s, the Taipans to beat the Kings, Melbourne to beat Cairns. If that all comes through, that'll be $258. And are you in a position to announce who you'll be raising your money for?
2: Yes. Uh, I'm do some. i lucky enough to do some work with a few foundations, but one of which is Global Roaming Pilbara Foundation. So we'll be trying to raise money there. And then I'm not sure if we can chop and change throughout the course of the year who we're raising for, but by the end of the year, if there is any positive uh, money in there, then I'll probably divide it by a few. But right now we'll go with Global Roaming.
1: Perfect, Amo. Thanks for that. Now that preview is brought to you by Tab Touch, And of course, remember, if you are having a bet, please do so responsibly. Okay, Damon, so that's the business side of things taken care of. What was it like for the first time in, what is it, 14 years for you that an NBL season was happening where you weren't either, either watching on, getting ready to play, sitting on the sidelines wishing you were out there? What was it like watching a season knowing that you're not going to be hitting the court at any point this season?
2: Yeah, it was really weird. The build-up to the regular season, to be honest, I, I wasn't missing the game. You know, I can wake up pain-free, play with my kids. I kind of transitioned into life post fast or what, quite quickly, like I literally retired and then that afternoon I was at work. So that I didn't really notice. And I thought that's how I was going to feel regardless of when the season tipped off or not. Mm. And couldn't be further from the truth. You know, round one I found myself, you know, trying try to make the effort to watch a few games. By the end of round one, I, you know, I didn't miss, you know, the last two games. And then last night, I was actually on the edge of my seat yelling at the screen, <laughs> yelling at how I believe they should be defending players, why aren't they the nicest guy, why aren't they double-teaming? And this is for two teams that I've never played for. Mm. You, know, you know, not many of my former teammates play for either of the teams. So of all the games to get into, I sat back going, this isn't what I was like as a player. I would have sort of watched it purely from a, you know, almost a coaching perspective, a scouting perspective. Instead, I was a fan yelling my opinions about what they should be doing. <laughs> even though I physically can't do it anymore. And then I'm I'm a little nervous how I will be on Sunday Mm. where I've exchanged a basketball for a microphone and I'm supposed to be in an unbiased position uh, commentating court side for the Wildcat Southeast Melbourne game. So Mm. I'll try and be as unbiased as possible, but who knows what's going to come out of my mouth.
1: I wanted to get your thoughts on how you're feeling about it. Sean's going to be there alongside you, so it's going to be fascinating to see the two of you there on our TV screens. And it's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to seeing what you two can provide for the broadcast. Um, how are you feeling about it? How are, you, are you a little bit nervous knowing that you're not just on as a guest now, you're actually there as, as the host on a on an internationally broadcast game of basketball?
2: <laughs> Don't say that. you making me more <laughs> nervous than I already am. I, I am really glad that for the first game I'll almost just be shadowing mm. Sean. You know, I'll see what he does, take his lead, and then I'll ask a few questions throughout the broadcast. And then, like you said, it will be weird asking the questions opposed to answering yeah. them. But I'm excited just to be out there and amongst it as close as I can without putting on the playing shoes and the Wildcats jersey. So I'm, I'm genuinely nervous. I'm not going to lie about that. And I'll probably stumble on a few words and you'll be able to notice <laughs> it across the broadcast. But I'm excited as well. And I'm just grateful that I got a call you know, about a week ago asking if I would be interested in participating. So mm. I'll see how I go. If I get fired after round one, then <laughs> hey, at least I had a try. <laughs> but uh, I'm a, I very much am grateful that I can do the game one with you know a former teammate and a good friend and he's already put his hand up and said let's get together and I can you know, help you as much as you need so okay. hopefully Sunday goes smoothly.
1: Now also, um, the championship banner will be getting raised as well and you're still the captain of that team. That must be an exciting occasion and probably the first time you've ever actually got to enjoy it because every other time you've actually been taking part in the game while the, the banner has been, been raised.
2: Yeah, a lot of the time they've unveiled it while we're in the locker room having yeah. our final chat with Trev so to be out there, see the banner unveiled, and straight away you're just going to relive. For me, it'll be reliving you know, 12 years at the Wildcats, not just that one championship mm. year. But every season is special for different reasons. Every season, every team goes through adversities, highs and lows, but through the one team that gets to have that banner with their name on it um, is, is why you play the game. So I'll be out there looking forward to being a part of the, the Red Army, joining the commentary team and, and seeing that banner fall down, you know, number 10 for the club.
1: Now another thing quickly from round one Sean, Sean and I have dubbed it the Demo So the best defensive player award Now named in your honour who, who stood out in the Demo for you? Um, I thought after Saturday night Cam Oliver was, was to stand out with his six blocks But by the end of the weekend I thought clearly Justin Simon For his two games at the Hawks And, and Sean's mentioned, Sean mentioned earlier on the show That it, it rem- his influence on the defensive end reminded him, reminded him of the influence That you had on games um, Who stood out in the Demo for you?
2: Yeah, no, you've, you've absolutely mentioned him straight off the top. When I was watching Illawarra play, and the thing that amazed me was his willingness to go and make the reason back himself to do it. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes you don't want players going outside of the system, you know, at either end. But then there's some players that you're happy to do it, and you know, most people think that's a comment that regard, you know, regarding. The offensive end. So, for example, me, we might run a play, or the Wildcats might run a play. i have probably got to stop saying "we." It's hard <laughs> to move on. Um, but the Wildcats will run a play, and if Bryce sees something that he likes, you've got every single player wearing a Wildcats jersey, coaching staff included, happy to back him to make that read. At the defensive end, there are some players who have that green light from their coaches and from their teammates. And you know, I just thought the reads that were made in, in the Illawarra game in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's block shot into you know, jumping back up, grabbing it, going down, scoring. You know, that was a, a big play yeah, it and it's hard enough to get caught up in that. And, and you want to be able to relive that and replicate that moment. You do whatever it takes to be able to feel that height, feel that environment. So that's why those big plays usually generate four, six, eight, ten six, eight, 10-point runs. Uh, so it wasn't just the two points he created or, you know, a potential four-point turnaround mm-hmm. by blocking the shot and then scoring. But it's what happens at the back end of that. And I was very, very impressed with his game. Uh, at both hands, but in particular defensively. Oliver, obviously, like you mentioned, six blocks. You know, I think there's um, a few guys that stood out, but none more so than those two.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Now, before, before we let you go, Damo, as we record this now and release the show, it's a 40th birthday for Sean Reddidge. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a big occasion. Um, I mean, it's remarkable to think that you joined him as a teammate 12 years ago, and it's, it's <laughs> amazing to see. I imagine you were a little bit... Daunted by being his teammate at first, because at that point he had earned his scoring machine nickname on the back of being, um, well, being just that. I mean, he was a great scorer, but not necessarily someone that brought his teammate into the into the game a lot. But that changed in that first season. That's why he won the championship. He became his scoring went down a little bit, but he became a much better all round player. And and you would have seen that, and obviously the rest of his career, you were there as his teammate, and you and you had an amazing time with him. Um, When you reflect on your journey with Sean as we celebrate his 40th birthday, um, what what comes to mind?
2: Uh, He was the ultimate elite player in regards to his professionalism. So... Professional means you just get paid to do it. You know, most people have a profession. But the elite means you get the utmost out of your ability. And he did every single cliche. I think I've mentioned this before. Every single cliche you've heard of. So got to weights early, lifted heavily, got to training early, worked on his game, trained hard during team training, finished team training, worked on his game again for another 45 minutes to an hour, you know, stretching, visualization, sports, psychology, diet, good sleep, yada, yada, yada. He did it every single day not after a loss, not just when TV was there or the media crew, not just before Every every day. I remember during his last season where he wasn't playing big minutes whatsoever. We played a game on the Friday. He played about three minutes. We were flying out to out of, uh, New Zealand on the Saturday. I was injured at the time so I had to come in for a workout Saturday morning. I get to training Saturday morning. He's already there getting shots up because <laughs> he wanted to get shots up just in case he gets called you know, to go and play in New Zealand the following day. I'm okay. just like, this was this guy, day one to literally the last day he was wearing a Wildcats uniform and what he did, two, three, four guys started to implement and replicate and that turned into seven, eight, nine, and that's where the culture of the club came from, from a work ethic. For me, uh, with Sean and whether he learned that from college coaches, whether they're self-driven, whether they former Wildcats players, I'm not sure. But, His nickname in college at Arizona State was Charlie Hustle. Mm. So we might might call him the scoring machine out here. But Charlie Hustle, I love. And he he is. He just would get after everything, dive on this basketball, try and make big play after big play. And, you know, we mentioned the the championship banner getting unveiled from the rafters, you know, on Sunday. And I dare say at some stage throughout the season, we'll see, you know, the number 42 uh, hanging from the rafters as a retired number and, and deservedly so.
1: Yeah, thank goodness he didn't stay being a soccer goalkeeper, which he was when he was younger. And, and thank God he got away from those cornfields in Nebraska.
2: Mate, he hates passing. So imagine he was a goalkeeper. He'd, he'd, try, he'd stop the goal, then he'd turn around and kick it. like Or he'd try and shoot from the <laughs> end of the field. So, no, I think he chose the right sport. I mean hated looking at the basketball when he had a, a post move. Uh, sorry, hated mm. looking at the, when he was making a post move. Would look at his feet, he would. jump a turn in the air and, and then find the ring as he's in the air. But, you know, his unique move is why he was so crafty and got to play for so long combined with, you know, obviously his three-point shot, his basketball IQ. But, yeah, he was a, a great teammate and a hell of a player.
1: And he's still a teammate of yours, Damo. Still, we're still doing this show together and you're going to be joining him on Sunday. So I hope you enjoy that. We all look forward to to seeing what you can come up with on our TV screens. And thanks for joining us. And we'll be back here on the Top Touch preview next week.
2: No, nah, looking forward to it. I'm going to have to come up with something a little bit more crafty with these, uh, these multis you spoke of, because if Shawnee gets up, even if we both win, he's about $100 already ahead of me. So I might have to take a note out of his book and just, I don't know what he does. He might just open up a link and guess. But <laughs> hey, we'll see what happens.
1: okay time to wrap up the show here this week Sean on hoop sevens basketball basketball hustle and plenty to there's been plenty to dissect plenty to talk about already but the biggest thing out of out of this show this week is the fact that we're recording here on Thursday we're releasing the show on Thursday now before we get to anything else I've got something just very quickly to play for you Sean <music>
0: Any old ordinary birthday, isn't it? It's a it's a milestone day for you. Yeah, I turned the big 40, so I uh, basically over the hill. I don't feel 40, but uh, I'll have to see see how I feel later in the day. I, uh, I told the, the the campers that week that camp this week that uh, you know when you get over 40, you no know, longer allowed to come. So I might have to like, get out on the court when I'm coaching my son a little bit later on see if I can still throw one down. It's a, it's, a big, it's
2: a big
0: milestone. Do you feel any different now that you got a four in front of your name? Or in front of your age? Look, I don't, I don't think you, you do feel any different, but uh, I'm sure uh, I'm, you know probably in more denial than anything. And, uh, you know, I still feel like I'm that, that 22-year-old that just uh, moved over here from Nebraska, living in a uh, beautiful part of the world in purple Australia.
1: What I wanted to ask about. That. I mean, this is the sort of time where you can not reflect a little bit, and and you, you touch on it. Then you know, half a lifetime ago, you probably hadn't ever heard of Australia. All of a sudden, you've had one of the greatest careers in NBL NBL history. Um, you're one of the all-time great Perth Wildcats players. You ended up representing Australia at the Olympic Games, and more, more importantly, you've you've ended up with Gretchen raising your family here with Dylan and Haley. Um, you've become a great, a great Perth citizen and, and a great Australian citizen, and this is this is obviously your home. You've now started up a successful business with Red Basketball beyond your playing career. Um, it's a it's a story that probably should be told in a, in a book one day, Sean. But summing it up quickly now, it's been a been a remarkable journey to get to get, get to this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of highs there that uh, that you can be proud of. And obviously there's some struggles along the way, but, uh, you know, you don't get there unless you face a little bit of adversity. So it's, uh, you, you know, I just kind of wake wake up and pinch myself every day that uh, you know I'm living in such a, a great place, being able to impact so many lives and um, got to play with uh, the Perth Wildcats, you know, arguably with one of, if not the best uh, sporting organization in, in Australia in the history that they've had. So uh, there's a lot to be thankful for. Um, and I, I had great, uh, an amazing luck to go to this and and uh, you know it's it's uh, almost a, a dream come true. And, and looking forward to uh, the next forty years.
1: <laughs> now, just before we move on, because I know you don't like talking about personal things like this too much, how does the scoring machine celebrate his fortieth birthday?
0: Well, like I got up, I uh, got a little workout in, so uh, in my little makeshift home gym that I set up on private jet, and. Uh, filled with uh reddish basketball t-shirts all around so i need to uh, give give out some of those uh so i can clear a little bit more space to uh to have a little bit more workout room but uh you know probably head to the beach but uh might pop down for a cinnamon roll to to celebrate and then uh i got some uh barbecue pulled pork sandwiches to uh to, to munch on later on with the family so uh and, uh, and then on the basketball court, my son's got a trunnel uh, a, a tonight that I'm um, a coach of, of the team. So I've got to uh, run that as well. So it's uh, going to be a full day with a lot of things that I love, working at beach, family, and basketball. So uh, I can't complain.
1: No, sounds perfect, Sean. So happy birthday to you for that. And I hope you enjoy, enjoy the day. Um, now... Let's wrap up the show as well. I'll sign off for for this week here on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. We'll we'll keep a close eye on the on the the multi bets thanks to tap touch that both you and and Damo have picked out and and see what sort of money you can raise for for you for Lifeline WA and and Damo for the the Global Roaming Pilbara Foundation. So that's going to be fascinating to follow. We'll look forward to seeing both of you and your smiley faces on our TV screens on on Sunday at RAC Arena. So for Hoops Evans Basketball Hustle this week, I'm Chris Pike, and I'll sign off and, and leave you with the birthday boy, the scoring machine, Sean Reddidge.
0: Well, thanks, Pike. Yes, it is. Uh, I'm looking forward to Sunday. Going to have 7,500 uh, World fans cheering on their team and just to see NBL basketball back after, uh, I guess, almost 10 months here. Uh, in January, late January, it's going to be uh, a special moment. And uh, man, I'm excited to kind of get those nerves and that feeling of being in a live NBA uh, basketball event. And it's going to be fun. And to do that next year. and Martin on his debut at is going to be exciting and memorable as well.